Well, let's uh, turn our attention to God's holy word. I'm going to go to a portion of scripture that's probably familiar to most of you. It's one of my favorite gold nuggets in the book of Philippians. And it's uh, heading in the chapter 3 of Philippians is the goal of life in my New American Standard Bible. If you have my edition, it's page 313. And uh, it is Paul the Apostle talking about something that I think is always important for our lives. And that is to be forward-oriented, to be progress-oriented, and to be persevering and have an adamant kind of commitment toward it, to it. I'm not a sentimentalist. Far from it, you know. I'm also not strictly a futurist. I'm living in this awareness that God's goodness, this is what we have right now. I'm going to talk to you about past, present, and future tense on some things. For example, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in certain senses, I draw from what I've learned, but they're, they're just really a, a prelude to what's about to happen. Uh, you know, I'm living on a quest for excellence. I'm living with expectation, and I'm looking forward to some big things up ahead. I, I, I see the young people in our church. We have a very beautiful, eclectic array, array of people here right now. You know, people from all different ages, different walks of life. That's always the church I've yearned for, to have people that feel welcome and connected, not on the basis of surface, but on the basis of substance, on the basis of the, the tangibleness of God and his purposes. And uh, I'm preaching to stimulate you to expect and believe God for the miraculous. We're reminding you that God is the supernatural God. When you buy into Christianity, it's, it's a bold, bold commitment. The requirement, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, is he that comes to God must believe that he is. There's a lot of dismissive atheistic concepts right now and theories that, you know, life came from something other than a creator. So it's become, you know, almost controversial in some settings to continue to hold to what they would say is just a traditional dogma. But that's not really what we're embracing. We're actually going past that and we're saying, you know what, in my little finite, puny humanity, I'm, I acknowledge there is a big, beautiful, holy, infinite God. And not only that, but that he's also a rewarder of those who seek him. And that's not like a stimulation towards some sort of a heavy reward emphasis. Because I think it's not semantics. I think that reward is not the motive, but it is an incentive. Reward is not the motive. The motive, uh, we're trusting God that he'll help our motives to be purified where we just love him because of who he is. But let's face it. Our humanness doesn't really understand who he is except by knowing what he does. And let's just face it, it's okay to acknowledge that he saved me, he healed me, he filled me with the Holy Spirit, he answers my prayers, he's with me now through high times and hard times. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. So, you know, that in some ways sounds crass and superficial, but really, I love you for what you've provided. I love, I love the provider but I know who he is as the provider by what he's provided. Is that all right? So now let's get in this and let's, let's read this because Paul the Apostle is yearning to grow and develop 
yearning to be mature, learn, you know, he's yearning for more and more of him. He says, man, all the stuff I've had, he said, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, it's important for, he said, to write the same things again to you is no trouble to me and it is a safeguard to you. This helps us pastors to get off the hook from having to always have a novel now kind of titillating message. Basically, he's saying, man, the way we learn, the mother of education is repetition. The reason we can sing the Beatles songs is because we listen to them 57,000 times. Well, Paul the Apostle, let's just go down this list here. He says, uh, beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. And then he says, we are the true circumcision, worship God in the spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He said, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, uh, if anyone else ha has a mind to be confident, have confidence in the flesh, I far more. So Paul goes into this sort of silly argument to make a point. He said he was circumcised the eighth day of, uh, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, he persecuted the church, as to the righteousness which is in, in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have actually counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So he's saying, all my pedigree, and he, go, he could say also in another setting, he talked about his Roman citizenship, he talked about his prestigious education, he, taught about, he talked about the milestones of his life, he was a highly intelligent human being, and he, that was, however, not the basis of his sense of value, that was not what he prioritized, and then he starts getting hardcore here and bottom lines it, he said, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Young people, listen to this. This is an elder sage from 2,000 years ago saying, been there, done that, tried out all the techniques, tried to be in the prestigious zones. In fact, I was. And he said, you know what really the bottom line of life is, is getting to know Jesus getting to know about Jesus, getting familiarized with the word of God, becoming acclimated to the things of the Lord in a really practical way and walking it out through a lifespan. You will not regret it. Then he said this, he said, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. So his Ferrari collection, he just said, yeah, it's just no, that's not that big a deal. There's just some cars from Italy, you know? That's, you know, he might have had a whole barn full of red Ferraris, prototype Ferraris, and he said, you know, that's not that big a deal, it's just cars. In fact, you know, I, I had some friends that their, their father collected art. In fact, there's a whole museum named after him of, their, of his art, and they said they're just paintings. And I, it would blow your mind if I told you what, I mean, Rembrandt, all the, I mean, Picasso, Van Gogh, the, the who's who of the of the art history. Ah, just paintings. And that's true. As much as I appreciate Beethoven writing music deaf, and I'm fascinated by the art of it. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by scientific minds who figure stuff out. Aren't you? But listen to this, because this is what I want to get over to you personally. He said, he said, uh, and may be found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. 
the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Hebrews chapter 5, I think it's verse 12, 13, it says that the definition for the mature is that they're not just eating, uh, drinking milk, but they're, they're, they desire meat, and that, that, that immaturity is defined as people who are not familiar with the ABCs of man's righteousness, one translation says, acquainted with, with righteousness. In righteousness you'll be established, you'll be far from oppression, and you will not fear. In fact, condemnation keeps us out of faith. Condemnation keeps us out of advancement. And that's why the prophecy that Pastor Patsy shared, is, it's, it's very apt right now. It's edification, it's exhortation, and it's comfort. It lifts up Jesus. And what it lifted up was that he who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might actually be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And Paul said, I don't have a righteousness of my own consisting of works. It's based on faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. So then we continue that I may know him, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And now look at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. So now here Paul is saying, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. He said, but this one thing I do, bottom line, makes it, here comes his priority, this one thing I do. He said, I, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which I've been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So this is an ongoing daily life issue. God, in the midst of all my situations in life, and all my circumstances in life, why did you get a hold of me? Why did you save me? Why did, you, why, did, why did you consider me? This is what David said. I think about all the beauty of creation. What is man that you're so mindful of him? Well, that's what David was saying. God, thank you. I, I don't understand it, but I sure appreciate that your thoughts are toward us, aren't you? He knows the number of hairs on your head. He said, verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward, to what lies ahead. Everybody say reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's the new King James. And then verse 14 said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You ever stand tippy toe? You ever stand uh, craning your neck trying to scan the horizon? Dick Mills writes that shading your eyes and, and trying to peer out to the distance. He said, these are all expressed by the phrase reaching forward. Everybody say reaching forward. When my wife was giving birth to our first child in the hospital, and I, all I was doing, I was a Lamaze coach, you know, and I drove her to the hospital. I mean, and, and, and we had a, yeah, we had a natural slash supernatural birth. We did not have medical insurance. And she did not have any anesthetics. It was all old school. One of the great things was when she went like this. And uh, that was a deep thing for me. That was my, one of my memories before Chelsea was born, is that somehow I was needed in that situation. Actually, you did pretty good without it, but you made me feel welcome. Everybody say reaching forward. Take your arms and just kind of just do that. Just reach out, reach forward. Isn't there something about that? Um, 
Paul is telling the Philippians to forget the past and start looking ahead. Say this with me. Forget what's behind. Start looking ahead. Now see, this is remove and replace. This is good teaching. We repent, we remember, we repent, and we, and we do the deeds God's called us to do. And so he knew what he was talking about because when we first see him in Acts chapter 8, he is persecuting the church. In fact, he said, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. And he consented to the stoning of Stephen. He held the coats of the people so they could have a better uh, swing with their arms. Brutal, brutal, harsh, cold. Paul had to learn to put such negative memories behind him and get on with life. One point he said, I'm guilty of no man's blood. He understood the shed blood of Jesus washed away Paul's negative memories of his past. He had to put them behind him Instead of allowing the past to become an unbearable burden and weight to him, Paul simply dropped it to the ground and used it as a stepping stone to the future. Reaching forward is a good exercise for all of us. It stimulates Bible hope when we keep reaching forward. You can't have rosy thoughts about the future if you maintain the blues about the past. It puts us in a state of expectancy. It puts us in a state of expectancy. Not that I've already obtained it, I've already been made perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which lie behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Doing this declares that what has been is only a prologue of what will be. Yesterday was good. Today is better. But tomorrow will be better still. In Jeremiah chapter 29, he prophesied to those that were in exile that had been captive, taken captive by cruel Babylonian humanistic idolatrous, harsh people that had a sophisticated society that, had, that was devoid of God. They had developed their own systems. They were prideful in it. They were harsh as harsh could be. And Daniel and others were pulled out of the context of the security of the law and the prophets and the wholesomeness of their dietary laws and their patterns of worship and their, their, their culture as a family and their love and worship of the one true God. And they were pulled and jerked and catapulted into a terrible setting for 70 years. But that's where Jeremiah said, listen, man, when you're in that situation, don't decrease, but increase. Get married, have babies, raise your babies, help your babies to grow up and then find the uh, mates and then get them married and then have babies, plant gardens and eat the fruit of it. Do not decrease, but increase. And always look out for the welfare of where you are because where you sow welfare, you'll reap welfare. It'll be good for you, which is an admonition of Old Testament version of the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This scenario training, it's like, it, not if, but when it gets weird, here's how I want you to deal with it. 
in case Nebuchadnezzar goes whack and builds a big statue and he says, I want you all to bow to me. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in this furnace that I've heated up seven times hotter than usual. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know what? God will deliver us. But even if he didn't, we're not going to bow to you. And they threw him in the furnace. And sadly, the guys that threw him in the furnace burned. That's telling how hot it was. The only thing that burned on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were their bonds. And then Nebuchadnezzar was so sadistic, he was looking into the furnace from some distance, and he said, weren't there three people, or uh, four people in the, we'll see, Shadrach, Meshach, three people in the fire? Because he said, I saw a fourth man in the fire. And uh, it was one like the Son of Man. So God showed up in their situation. God will show up in your situation. That's why Paul said, don't call to mind the former thing. He said, don't, don't, don't live in the past. That's what Isaiah said. Don't call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Now I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? He said, I'll make a roadway in the wilderness. I'll make rivers in the desert. Yesterday was good. Today's better. Tomorrow will be better still. Oh, Pastor Jeffrey, are you being optimistic? No, I'm being biblical. My Bible says that he's coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. My Bible says there'll be a harvest of souls. My Bible says there'll be a consummation at the end of the age and he's going to burn it with a fervent heat and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So the answer is it's going to be glorious. And even in that context of the Old Testament, he said, listen, after 70 years, I'll visit you and I'll restore you. And he said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. In the New International Version, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What a future we have to look forward to. Listen. Reaching forward anticipates miracles. If you're writing notes, take these down. Number one, miracles. Reaching forward anticipates revivals. You can make a space in number two, revivals. Reaching forward anticipates outpourings of the Spirit of God. Write down outpourings. Number four, reaching forward anticipates deliverances. Number four, write deliverances, leave space. And number five, reaching forward anticipates answered prayer. It looks to the future with an intensity and a great expectation as God has called us to be forward in our thinking, be forward in our vision. Young people, the best is yet to come. This is the best time to be a Christian that you could have ever had. All the, the wealth of the history of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is afforded to you now. All the examples of those who went before us, this cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And we're to run with endurance that particular race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I press on toward the goal for the prize. I had a friend talk to me. His son-in-law's a coach for the Colts football team, and he's, he played football in high school, so he has a lot of football examples. He said, you know, the goal is not being on the defense. The goal is carrying the ball. And the goal is going 
you know, first and 10 and then do it again. I, rem you know, I remember the cheerleaders saying, first and 10, do it again. And you, you can inch down the field. I saw on Jeopardy today, three people. Two had like $12,000. One had $4,000. You know who won Jeopardy? The guy with $4,000. It was his second day. Both of the others, they, they lost, and then he, he won. It's like he came up from, he came up from the, the, the rear, and he ended up winning. You say, why are you using a Jeopardy metaphor? Because I watched that before I came here, so it was in my head. <laughs> and uh, the guest uh, host was, she said, uh, anything can happen to Jeopardy. And I'll tell you, in a life of faith with God, all things are possible. You know, the hurts, the accumulation of being disrespected, the unresolved discombobulation of your life experiences, all that factored in. You could just say, Father, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm going to walk by faith through my life. I'm not going to say, why, God, why? I'm not, again, please help me to stay out of self-pity. Please help me to be a praiser. I'd rather use my energies thanking you than grumbling about my circumstances. So Paul is saying, I count all my pedigree as rubbish. And then later on in the next chapter, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He starts this chapter with, with rejoice in the Lord. And he's writing from a prison in Rome. And it was not a country club type prison. They were brutal. They were as brutal as Nebuchadnezzar probably. Nebuchadnezzar going, Cook them in the fire if they don't bow down to me. And that's the context that Daniel thrived in, that Daniel managed to get revelation for the Jewish people in his contemporary moment, prophetic things about his people and things about the church. So much so that he even said, God, what is this part? He goes, it's not for you to know, it's for another generation. So, all right. And, and I appreciate Daniel. I, I have an affection for Daniel, and I especially love the God of Daniel, right? Because I'm not into embellishing superhero stuff. They would all say, please, please, let's give God the credit. You don't know how much weirdness went in my headspace at different times. You don't know how many days I was dealing with sorrows and hardship and getting upset. And, you know, Paul, I mean, he's pretty candid about these things. As Christians, we have so much to look forward to. The salvation of our whole families, the evangelization of the world, the reviving of our churches, and most of all, the blessed hope, the return of Christ, the bridegroom for his bride, the church. There will be, I remind you, a catching away and a second coming, and it's right around the corner. So he knows the plans he has for us. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and then I want to just give you these, these bullet points. Miracles, revivals, outpourings, deliverances, and answered prayer. You got a minute? This is going to get good. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul says this. It's very similar to what he said to the Philippian church. He's saying this to the Corinthians. Do you not know? That those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. 
Run in such a way that you may win. I suppose this is what I'm sharing. This is what I extracted from some of Dick Mill's writings. This is what God's been prompting me on. This is what I love about Philippians. Not that I've already obtained it or have already been made perfect. This one thing I do. I'm not going to be, be all obsessed with the past. I'm wary of a couple of things. I'm wary of people that carry all the hurts of the past and, and, and just live in, vic, in a victim mentality. I'm also wary of people who embellish history in some sort of strange, crazy fixation. I think that we, 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 we see our hurts in the past and see them through the blood of Jesus, and we even see the historic breakthrough things in the history, and we, get, we derive encouragement from it, but not, not necessarily getting our bearings from it because he's doing a new work. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. I'm very wary of opinionated people who have big viewpoints about the way revival is going to be. This, what's coming up is different than anything we've ever encountered, that that antiquity can't clarify it, the contemporary environment around us can't clarify it. It's a simple walk of faith, and this is what God's required, and this is why I'm preaching the way I'm preaching. Get Jesus. You guys fall in love with Jesus. Work through your doubt and unbelief. Stay in the word. Study the scriptures. Just read a chapter. Read what I just, just go to Philippians and read all of chapter three again. Just meditate and make it yours. Get a hold of these verses where it becomes so real to you. Read chapter four. It's so powerful. It tells you eight things to meditate on. It tells you that if you pray, and, and God, the God of peace will be with you. And it, it, it's, it's, it, it, he supplies all, meets all of your needs and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's all there. It's all right here. But this verse, it says, look, man, when you want to win, you got to run in a certain way. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. 1977, I was uh, eating a bowl of Wheaties, and the Wheaties box had a triathlete on it, and he had won all this amazingness in the Olympics, he was just a, an amazing, handsome-looking, super dapper, uh, Adonis-looking guy, and the, and the cover of it was amazing. And I read this verse right while I was looking at that. I was looking at it thinking, why didn't I go to track and field? Why didn't I work out like this? And, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a, a, one of these uh, youth, uh, young man's disease kind of a, evaluations, you know. And I went out to pray, but God was showing me, look, that's for a perishable wreath. Admittedly, a gold medal, you know, that's cool. But nevertheless, perishable. But we're running for something that's imperishable. You know, all bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for this life and the life to come. Actually, the race we're running, this walk of faith, is a pretty big deal. People are attached to your obedience. You're actually created in Christ for good works, which he's prepared beforehand for you and I to walk in them. 10,000, how many ferns? 10,560 ferns. So God has an army marching through this land. Deliverance is their song. Healing is in their hand. And everlasting joy and gladness is in their heart. And in this army, we have got a part. Get aware of this. Your value your intrinsic value, the, your, the, the beauty of God's love manifests to you by sending Jesus to die for you, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. How many of you believe? I mean, seriously. I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, and it causes me to have my actions match up with my words. I'm committed to follow God. He tells me to go to church. I practically live here. Through the pandemic, we were here sometimes 14 hours a day praying. God answered so many prayers. I'm telling you, I'm in such a great position right now. I'm so thankful for what Jesus is doing to this church. It's absolutely amazing what the Lord's doing. He answered all my prayers through that time on such emphatic detail level. And I want to talk to you about miracles, revivals, outpourings, deliverances, and answered prayer. But listen to this. It says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul had a passion for follow-through, for integrity, and for longevity. And he had such a goal on it. He said, I don't want to flail my arms in the air. I want to make my blows count. I don't want to just run aimlessly. I want to run with, a, with, with aim. Let me tell you, reach forward to what lies ahead. To the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I realize there have been some challenges, but God has done some amazing things, hasn't he? The definition for miracles, if you're writing this down, is any amazing or wonderful occurrence. Any amazing or wonderful occurrence. I believe in miracles. I believe in the God of the miraculous. He is supernatural. A marvelous event manifesting a supernatural act of God. A marvelous event manifesting a supernatural act of God. Hallelujah. That is what it is. He did affirming, attesting signs, wonders, and miracles in his earthly ministry. Then the early church, he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. So Friday nights I've been teaching with the aim of stimulating faith for the miraculous. Not only miraculous, but also revivals, outpourings, deliverances, and answers to prayer. Revivals. What reviving means is bringing again into activity and prominence. Bringing again into activity and prominence. Reawakened interest in God. Reawakened interest in God. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says, Break up the fallow ground, for he is about to rain righteousness on you. Revival would be a stirring, breaking up the, the dirt clods. You know, we're coming in, you know, uh, the French say, Viva la France, you know. The, my Chicano friends in California say, Viva la raza. You know, and Viva, Viva is a, is a, is a Latin word. It's, it, it means life. Uh, uh, vivacious, vitality, uh, you know, it's vital, it's, it's, it's life. And, and revival is basically defibrillator paddles bringing somebody off of a flat line. You ever see the movies or somebody's flat line and they go clear and they come back to life or somebody's drowned and they're giving them mouth to mouth and that, they breathe that breath, you know, like in a delayed, you know, pregnant pause and it's like, ah, you know, and you're so glad because they're the leading person and you didn't want them to die yet in the movie. Well, I'm telling you, 
In some scenarios, you're the leading person, and God doesn't want you to die in the movie. So he wants to do the miraculous in your headspace right now and in your disposition and your outlook and in your faith. Faith is miraculous. Faith is a divine, wonderful occurrence. What a phenomenon. It's great to have faith. It's great to know the Lord. Paul said, I count everything else as rubbish. This will help you with materialism. It's like, wait, you know, watch, watch some of these programs where these guys... Uh, um, what is it, American Pickers. I, I love those guys. They left a flyer in my mailbox years before they had a TV show. I was like, I want, to, I want all the stuff you're wanting me to check off on here. That's the stuff I want to keep, you know. And that's, the, that's why they're so successful because everybody's hoarding all that stuff. And then they die. And then the family goes, I don't even like this stuff. Even the big old thing full of her Ferraris, can you just take these off my hands? You know, and they do. And all that stuff. Your life doesn't consist of your stuff. And I've been watching these Egyptian shows on, on uh, his, History Channel. Yes, I have been binge watching Jeopardy and History Channel and American Pickers. So now you got to hear it in my sermon. But they're kind of harmless and it's history and it's interesting. It, it little snippets and it's not the news, you know. So it's like, thank you. I just can think about metal toys that used to flip pennies into, you know, the lion's mouth or something, and it's worth $1,200, and my grandpa paid 25 cents for it in 1899, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, that's cool, and then they turn it off, and, you know, have an assault on your brain. You could go to sleep right after you watch a bank that flips a penny into its, a lion's mouth, and it costs $1,200. You can go right and just go right to sleep. The news will keep you up. Reawakened affection for God, bringing again activity and promise, bringing uh, again into activity and prominence. So we revive, there were people that revived their concern for Paul. God will revive a church for its next kingdom purposes. God will revive an individual out of the pit back into a place of, God, I'm expecting the Wonderful occurrences. I'm, I'm, I'm believing. I have a faith bias. I anticipate miracles. I anticipate revivals. I anticipate outpourings of the Spirit. The famous one, there are a lot of them. But Acts chapter 2 comes to mind when they were all praying. And there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And fire distributed on each one of them. But every one, attention to detail, every one, say every one. People are talking about inclusion. People are talking about diversity training. People are, listen, God had fire go on everybody's head. Deal with that. Mother Mary got the fire. Everybody say outpourings. Now, the, the, uh, one of the definitions is a natural flow of groundwater. Uh, another definition is sudden, rapid flow. I like that. Now, I would turn the other one in natural flow of groundwater. I would say a supernatural flow of living water. There's a natural flow of groundwater. That's an outpouring. Or a supernatural flow of living water. And uh, my wife and I experienced that in our beginnings during the Jesus movement. The majority of our Christian lives have been plowing through the seasons. And I'm fine with it. Because every day is a precious gift from God. You hear me? Sudden rapid flow. Everybody say sudden rapid flow. Suddenly they're 
came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. There's teaching about suddenlies. Usually suddenlies come on people that have been at it for a long time. The burning bush. If you read Moses, it's like he was, uh, he had, was advancing when he had that burning bush experience. So here we go. You ready? Deliverances. Here's a good one. Deliverances. Recovery or preservation from loss or danger. Recovery or preservation from loss or danger. Joel 2 said God will restore to us the years the locust has eaten. He's the God of restoration. He's the God of that future and hope. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Let that get in your spirit. Let this cause you to anticipate. Revive your confidence. See, what happens when you get beaten down by the circumstances is you start to, you start to manage your expectations. And listen, as a minister, I do not want to project false hope. That's cheapo. I don't want to do that. Everything I'm teaching you right now, I've studied and prayed about diligently. I've sought the Lord about it, and I've lived it. At this point, I can say now, for decades, and the Bible says to be ready in season and out of season. And so there's this responsibility I have as an equipper to remind you of this simple thing, that the God does miraculous things. Who in here got saved when you asked Jesus in your heart? That new birth experience is the highest category of the miraculous. When Lazarus got raised from the dead, that was certainly big. But the greater miracle is a new birth. That supersedes a literal raising from the dead. And God, there are a lot of examples of a raising of the dead in the Bible. And he told the church to raise people from the dead. So let's expect the biblical, let's paint targets and, and look at that goal of the prize of the upward call of God. It's an upward call. And it says we are required in order to get it to reach forward. People always reach into the back. Well, there was this that happened here and I used to have this. and blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut up. I'm tired of you talking. Let the word of God and the language of this prophetic message get down in your spirit. For the miraculous, for wonderful occurrences, to believe God for this to happen. Again, what are we believing for? The salvation of our families, our children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And then out into the beyond that, the evangelization of the world. Brazil covers a bigger landmass in South America than any other country. I've met some wonderful Brazilians. They said, please pray for Brazil. I mean, when they told me, we're having this mosquito thing. We're having this political thing. They named off all these things. I I didn't even know that. Because we're so preoccupied with our little deal. And they're this this beautiful batch of people in the Amazonian area that are going, would you please pray for us? Boy, I sense the anointing on this. India, you realize how precious 1.3 billion people? Do you realize how precious those people are to God? We're just all caught up in what happened in our life. We're going to make me aware of this man and people telling me, what are we going to get to do? What do you think about it? We'll start you on with that. You know, 
It's like such a demonic, agitating bunch of vexing little limiting things to get us down on a little stupid, nonsensical, fly-swatting level when God's saying, do you know I'm a God of the miraculous and I'm about ready to send Jesus back to you? Deliverances are recovery or preservation from loss or danger. Recovery or preservation from loss or danger. Who in here has ever recovered from a loss? Do you know that uh, I read something fascinating in a business book in the 80s? So much self-help stuff that came out in the 80s. And, and I read this where business leaders looked for people who experienced bankruptcy like people who went into business in entrepreneurial ways and then they, they came out of these, they actually look for people that when they're coming around and that's actually part of their story because they knew they had developed a resilience and the fact that they were there, still in pursuit, still chasing their dreams, meant that they had, were survivors, meant that they had a set of skills that created muscle. I, re I had to reread it because I thought, no, this would disqualify them. And they're saying, no, in fact, when people recover from loss, when I broke my arm in high school, the doctor said, that will be the strongest place on your body. And because I, I broke it from here to here, and, uh, the, and the humerus bone, and there was not anything humerus about it. And it was so high up on my arm that they couldn't put a cast on me. So I had a, just an ace bandage and, and a soft cast, and I was in agony. And, there, and part of it was it, my arm was so jacked up and some kid took it upon himself to reset my arm that he thought was out of socket. So he grabbed my hand and he went like, tugged it for about 15 times. And it scissor sawed my bicep and it blew up like a big blue, blue balloon. Trey bought me the latest Black Sabbath album. So I was sitting in there on medication listening to the brand new Black Sabbath album. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I was, I was having Ozzy singing about paranoid and stuff. And... Uh, those are great memories. We had a swimming pool, so after about two weeks, I thought, well, I'm going to jump in the pool because my arm is all hot. I jumped in the pool. When I hit the water, it went, and I'm telling you, I was underwater going. I don't know if trees make noise when they fall when nobody's there, but I knew I was screaming under the water when I jumped in there. But I recovered. And they said I couldn't lift my arm up past here, but thankfully I can, and that kind of thing. Well, then when we had that boating accident in Catalina, that was the part that took the brunt of the hit. I hit the threshold of the door leading down to the bottom part of the, of the boat. Bayless hit the, uh, the, the, the steering thing, and Keith flew up and hit the edge of the ledge with his eye. I, hit, I got, took the brunt of it right here, and um, I didn't break. When they released me from the hospital, a doctor said, wait a minute, did you x-ray his arm? because it was all blown up, but that part that had been hurt um, recovered. Calcium built up in a way, just like the doctor said. It was more uh, fortified than any part. It was like the quarter panel on a, on a 57 Chevy. I guess 56 Chevy. Anyway, everybody say deliverance. And I like this past, present, and future. 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, God delivered us yesterday. He will deliver us today, and he will still deliver us forever. Say this with me. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lastly, answers to prayer. 
How many of you are believing God for some things? Stay in faith. Realize God's miraculous. Realize God is extraordinary, supernatural. He only does wondrous things. You know, the, the crime of the century is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. I'll say it again. The crime of the century is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. What the devil does is he tries to get us all neutralized and numb. And if you notice, when you, you can't really pray about something, it's because you're in the flesh. It's because the devil has done his work to get you bummed out and down. And then you're like, just uh, you've been mum grumbling about it so much that you're not really in a fervent anticipation or expectancy. You're just mad. And then the devil got you and shut your mouth. So then you got to back off and go, wait a minute. I'm called to higher things. I'm not called to get bitter. I'm not called to get caught up in the fray. I'm not called to get resentful. I'm called to believe God for the miraculous. Believe God for outpourings. Believe God for deliverances, for answered prayer. Come on, revival. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. This has been good. Say this with me. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus on my life. There are 10,560 ferns. And so there's a place for me in God's garden. Turn and look at somebody and say, man, I am so blessed. Look at somebody else and say, I'm reaching forward to the future. Look at somebody else and say, God's hand is on your life. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good night. Fellowship. Hang out. Enjoy yourselves. Amen.